Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhart, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders podcast. I'm Karen Conrad Metcalf, Vice President of Wealth Builders, as you all know. And I'm just so grateful we've got a great guest lineup today. We're continuing on the path of talking about real estate. And I want to tell you there is something with real estate right now that there is an urgency to understand the times that we are living in. And you've heard me mention this, but I'll just remind you, we've got the uh, Wealth Builders Real Estate Workshop that is coming up October 13th to the 15th. And I think the timing on this is absolutely critical for us to step into this opportunity that is happening in this nation. And I'm just feeling so encouraged about this. And I want any of you that are thinking about investing in real estate to see the times we're living in and to grab hold of this opportunity and join us. We've got both a live stream option and we've got an in-person. We'd love to see you in person. But today I have got Bill Bronchek and Frank Pulley that are joining me on this podcast to talk about creative financing and hey, what's going on with foreclosures. So I'm going to give you guys a moment just to greet our audience, if you would. Bill, I'll start with you. Hello, everybody. This is Bill Bronchek, and I am an attorney with 32 years experience in real estate, also 30 years experience as an investor. Um, And I used to run the largest real estate investor association uh, in the country for 16 years, the Colorado Association of Real Estate Investors. I've written six published books. What else can I brag about? Uh, (laughs) Been on all the major media networks, you know, uh, CNBC, Fox, uh, um, NBC, CBS, um, USA Today, Investors Business Daily, Wall Street Journal, just about every major publication. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, needless to say, Bill knows what he's talking about, but he's also all of our real estate attorneys and he's part of the coaching team at Wealth Builders. And Bill, we're just so grateful for you. Thanks for joining us. And then we've got our amazing Wealth Builders coach who also works with you, Bill, Frank Pulley. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Frank Pulley. And uh, the way I started in real estate is my wife and I and, and another couple owned a very very large uh, travel and water sports equipment business. And we just got tired of the hours we were having to put in. And so we did some investigating into real estate, actually attended a couple of uh, Bill's uh, big, large real estate uh, meetings. And then uh, in 2004, we joined his coaching program. And in 2006, we sold our business and we've been doing real estate for full time. In 2010, Bill kind of liked what I was doing well enough. He asked me to help him as a coach. And we agreed it would be kind of on a handshake. If when it wasn't working anymore, we would we would just part ways and be friends. Well, I'm still hanging around. So still in real estate and still loving it. And I do work for Bill. And I also, starting about three years ago, was uh, blessed to, uh, with Bill's blessing, uh, start working with wealth builders too. So it's a real calling. I love my work. And I think I'm about the luckiest guy in the world. 
Well, Frank, we feel that way about you, that we get to be connected with you. And I love how you guys gave a little background because, you know, really your expertise, you're in the game. And I think that's something unique about Wealth Builders. All the speakers, all of the coaches, we are in the game. We're not just speaking from our head knowledge. We're actually in it, which makes a really big difference. So if you want to register, I've got a special code for you. It's WB200 and you can go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. That's wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. If you use the code WB200, you save $200 on that ticket. And it's like a crash course, Bill. That's what you've said. And let me just tell you that if you do choose to be a part of this, I assure you this will be one of the most impactful weekends you'll ever experience. Not only do we have the how-tos with real estate, but we bring the biblical perspective and there's ministry that happens, networking. It's just a really wonderful experience. So, all right. So guys, there's a lot of people that are wanting to get into real estate or thinking about it. And um, maybe they don't have, you know, $200,000 in the bank. Maybe they hardly have any money in the bank. Is it still for them? And then also what's going on with foreclosures? And so Bill, I'm going to just pitch it to you to just take off and, and talk about this topic today. Great. Thanks, Karen. Well, if you're listening out there and you've got some money, maybe you've got 30, 40, $50,000, you could still get into real estate because you could leverage with financing. There are many creative ways to buy real estate with little or no money down. That's not hard. It's not hard to buy real estate with no money down or little money down, but you do need some money to be in a business. Um, so you're going to have to have uh, some computer software. Maybe you're going to have to do some mailers and marketing. You're going to have to spend a little bit on technology. So you need a little money to be in businesses. If you have apps, Absolutely nothing. Well, you could still hustle. I mean, there is door knocking. Uh, when I got started, I had very little money and I called everybody in the newspaper. We don't do that anymore. Obviously, people don't advertise. Now it's Facebook and Craigslist, uh, which you could still do. Uh, or you can just go around neighborhoods door knocking uh, on people's doors and see who might have a house for sale. So you could definitely hustle. Um, you, if you have no time and no money, it's going to be hard but if you even give it five or 10 hours a week, I think it's possible to do a side hustle in real estate and do, you know, a deal or so a month and make an extra five, 10 grand a month. Pretty good, Bill. That's really good. You know, a couple points on that. You know, as you mentioned, you need some resources. That's what happened to us in the mid 2000s. They had all these loans that everybody could get if you could fog up a, a mirror. And appraisers were overinflating the uh, values. Well, people would buy five or six properties, but the first time the tenants moved out or the uh, the furnace went out, they didn't have the resources, and that's what caused all of the foreclosures that uh, that happened. And we can we can talk about that just a little bit later. But uh, I think that uh, there is a lot of opportunities in uh, creative financing. The main thing is you got to realize is most people that uh, are looking for creative financing probably don't know it already. They, they you, you got to kind of, you know, I mean, Bill and I have done mailings and things like that for people that have problems anywhere from divorce, um, sickness, job transfer, and they need to get rid of their problem 
property really quickly and their property is a problem. We're in the problem solving business. And uh, if you can do that, that's the secret to success. You can, I mean, we've done, what have we done, Bill? We've done mailers. I mean, we've done door knocking. We've done, uh, hand, you know, uh, those little door hangers. I mean, we've tried about everything, postcards and that sort of thing. You got to mail to the right list, but it can be done. And uh, it can be done. Can be very yeah. lucrative. You don't have to have millions of dollars to get started or the ability to go out and borrow millions of dollars from banks. You can get started on a shoestring budget. But as Frank said, you don't want to go buy properties, no money down, which is really possible, and then don't have no cash reserves. <laughs> no, no, yeah. That's a mistake. There was a guy on TV a long time ago, he used to sell this no money down course, which, which was really good. There was all these creative ways to buy real estate with no money down. But what he never mentioned was, what happens when you buy 10 rentals and three go vacant and you have no money saved up? And it's the same with people these days because interest rates are high. They're tempted to put more cash down to get their payment lower for more cash flow. And the problem with that is if you don't leave yourself a cash cushion, you know, whether you're 50% down or 20% down, if you don't have a cash cushion in case of an unexpected vacancy, repair, or other issue that involves cash flow, you're going to become the proverbial motivated seller that we're all looking for. Let's give a couple of nuggets, Bill, for the real estate workshop. You know, uh, I hear that it's possible that if somebody's got a really low interest loan, that maybe you can take over uh, their payments, uh, get the title to the house, you know, maybe catch them up on their equity mm -hmm. and actually improve their credit. Um, what's your take on that? Yes, there's many ways to leverage existing financing instead of going out and getting new loans. Investors are paying over 8% now for loans, uh, some as high as 10% if you want to get a, a no-income verification loan, which they freely did in 2008, but now they're, they're very expensive. But 62% of loans out there are 4% and under, one in four are 3% and under. So if we could find uh, a motivated seller who is willing to do something creative where we can leverage their financing that's there without paying it off, and there's so many ways to do that we'll talk about at the workshop. One of them, as you mentioned, is just taking title to the property subject to the mortgage and making the payments. If they're behind in payments, it's going to go to the bank. They're going to ruin their credit. They're going to have a foreclosure on their record, which is horrible. The bank's going to have a mess. And it's it's a lose-lose. So turning a losing situation into a winning situation by buying that house, catching up the back payments, seller's happy. We improve his credit. The bank now has a performing loan, and we make money. Win, win, win. Yeah. Before we get into foreclosures, I hope people are always asking me, and I know, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you, uh, you know, free and clear houses. Are there opportunities there? You know, somebody wants to downsize, they own their house. Uh, what's your thoughts? 42% of houses now in America are owned without a mortgage, free and clear. Is that unbelievable? Yeah. That, that number used to be about 34%, but it's gone way up as mortgage rates gone up. People are paying off uh, loans rather than, or putting down more cash. So if you've got, let's say, a tired landlord who's got five free and clear properties that wants cash flow, but they don't want to deal with the tenants, 
you can buy it and ask him to take payments for his equity instead of cash. And cash doesn't necessarily mean all your cash. You could borrow from a bank for part of it and put a cash down payment and then the proceeds go to the seller. That's still considered a cash deal. Instead of doing that, say, Mr. Seller, um, how about I give you five or 10% down and you carry the rest in payments over 30 years with interest, but not 8%, maybe 4%. And, and for the seller, it's a good deal because he gets a return on his money. He gets a quick sale. He doesn't have to fix it up and make it beautiful. As long as it's in rental condition, that's fine. And there's a tax advantage if he bought it 30 years ago for one-tenth the price, which is more than likely, when you sell on terms like that over with taking payments over time, you spread your capital gains liability over the 30 years instead of all at once. And if you resell that property um, and you carry you carry the papers. Yes, you can. You, you, can run, you should run a 30-year amortization court, uh, schedule because you can make more on the interest of the loan that you're going to make on the profit of the house by a long shot. And that's true. you're, you're going to pay a lot less taxes doing something like that. That's correct. That's correct. So if you own a home free and clear, um, that is, let's say a rental that you've had a long time, you could sell it and take the payments and become like the bank instead of a third party lender and then charge interest, you know, four or 5% to be attractive. Yeah more than but you can jack the price a little more yeah. because you're offering sweet terms you know wow, the best you part about this is that this does not show up on your credit and i'll no. hush up and throw it back to karen yeah oh, i was just saying you guys this sounds amazing because a lot of times people don't want to give up their rental property because they they use that monthly income to live on mm -hmm. But what you're describing is they can give up the responsibility of managing the tenants, any responsibilities on improvements of the home and still get a payment every month that will help them subsidize their income exactly. and reduce their tax yep. liability. Exactly. In fact, I'm negotiating with a guy right now who inherited almost 40 properties from his mom. Same scenario. They were bought years and years ago and they're small Dated homes in Denver. Denver City has passed a new regulation that goes into effect January 1st, 2024, that you have to register each unit with the city and have an inspection annually. And they're going to come in and say, update the electric, update the plumbing, update this, update that. And he said, this is going to cost me close to a million dollars. So he's going to sell it to me. We're negotiating now. He's going to sell it to me with seller financing. So he's going to get the income, but he doesn't have to deal with with 40 tenants in the city on his back every every month or every year about uh, improvements. Well, Bill, my expectation is, is that you're getting those properties at a pretty darn good price mm -hmm. to kind of like offset mm -hmm. you taking on that responsibility, which little, is kind of that win-win. A little bit of a discount, not a huge one, but he's offering it to me with a small down and low interest. Got it. So, the so that's the really where that's how I'm going to make my profit, because if he'll, if he'll give me three and a half percent or three and a three and three quarter percent interest, I'll pay. I'm willing to pay almost full price. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But that is a great example of creative financing. So yeah. the thing is, is that we don't know what we don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And even um, I've been just looking back. Uh, I just came back from Cocoa Beach and 
I just was looking around that property and I was like, man, that townhome over there that I was looking at was like $250,000. And now it's like, you know, $800,000. And I was just like, wow, I just didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing, like getting educated, which is what Wealth Builders is all about. And this event is all about so that you can actually see deals like what you're describing, Bill, understand the benefit in that and actually find a pathway to create that win win. But if you don't even know to look for it, you'll never see it. That's right. The more you learn, the more you earn. Mm-hmm. There's too many people out there that are are listening to, you know, the media, which is, you know, real estate's local and they're waiting to, you know, uh, sit on the fence until, you know, a year or two years or whatever from now. Who knows and what for, right? Who, who knows? But the fact is, if you're educated, there are deals out there now. A lot of them. You just got to know what to look for to keep yourself out of trouble. That's right. Yeah, the market... Know. Go ahead. Market goes up, market goes down. In the long run, it usually goes up over 10 or 15, 20 years. So, you know, you're if you're playing the long-term game, it's the, you know, it's a law of averages. So uh, it, it, there's never gonna be a perfect time to buy. Um, you know, in hindsight, everything is 2020. Uh, I'm sure in 2009, everyone said, I'm not touching real estate, everything's crashing, blah, blah, blah. I was buying because I knew it would come back. You do. I knew it was going to come back and it did, you know, and I suffered a few years, you know, it was tough renting them. And um, I lost money for about two or three years. And then it, all of a sudden went gangbusters. My rents doubled and tripled the values quadrupled. And, you know, now I'm sitting pretty on those homes. Yeah. When we were uh, investing back in, uh, I don't know, early two thousands, Bill, I mean, everybody's complaining about interest rates, but I mean, yeah. their loans were what, seven or 8%. I mean, we made money then. Yeah. Wow. So you guys, I'd really love to hear, you know, a lot of people are, are sitting on the fence. I mean, we've talked to a few people that are like, well, I don't know if I want to do coaching right now because of the market. And we're like, now is totally the best time to do coaching so that you're prepared for what's coming up. But um, if you were to really assess based on you, you guys have been in this for decades. Billy says that if you can ride through like two real estate cycles, Mm -hmm. you're really going to be doing well. But what do you guys think? How do you assess where we are today? And um, obviously there's opportunities because you guys are talking about those deals coming up. We're seeing opportunities. What do you think 2024 is going to be like in real estate? I see pretty much more of the same. You know, it's an election year and the incumbent always tries to do what they can to make everything look better. Um <laughs> you know, in terms of putting pressure on the Fed not to raise rates and monetary policy and so forth. Um, So I I don't think we'll see anything different. Uh, Some people are saying prices are actually falling because of inflation. You know, even though nominal prices are pretty flat, depending on what market you're in, to negative 2% to positive 5%, depending on what city or what neighborhood you're in. But because inflation, they say, is three and three quarters now, which is 
we don't believe that because <laughs> uh, it doesn't include gas, housing, <laughs> all the things that go expensive. Um, but even if we assumed, you know, it was five percent, if if it if it's flat and it and inflation is five percent, it's really losing value five percent. Um, if you look at it that way, but on the other hand, when inflation goes up, so do rents. Yep. And the cost of being a landlord has gone up. My insurance has gone up. My property taxes all went up 30% in one year. I yep. challenged every single one of them with the county, and I denied every single one of them. Oh <laughs> and uh, so that's gone up. And, uh, you know, now I have to charge a little more. And people understand that the cost of materials has gone up. The cost of insurance and taxes and property management has gone up. Well, especially what you're talking about with Denver. I mean, that doesn't really help to add those things. You know, now rents are going to be driven up even further. Yeah. You know, what happens is when they crack down too hard on landlords, landlords say, I'm out of this business and they sell the house to an owner occupant. That's one less rental. Mm -hmm. There's a fewer rentals, supply and demand. Rents are going to go up. How so interesting. Go ahead. It's a matter of just knowing what to look for. We use in the coaching programs, we use formulas. You know, we build some conservative factors into them, but they're, you know, if you use the formulas and the numbers are right, then they really don't lie. They, they got to be numbers that are right, though, because mm-hmm. Bill and I have experienced and so have you, Karen. Somebody puts together a deal with numbers they want it to be. <laughs> yes. but but there's no way so you've got to be right on your numbers but there's formulas and ways of calculating this to keep you safe that's it's right so true that's so true so you guys um i was in banking you know during that 2008 to 2011 situation and while we were definitely dealing with foreclosures i still remember like they were so prevalent that on our bank website we actually had like an area that you could go and look at foreclosures to buy Mm -hmm. and at the time it was just like so my gosh this is horrible we have these foreclosures but let me tell you the price that people were paying they are so wealthy today because Mm -hmm. they were buying properties in that period of time So, you know, we haven't seen a lot of foreclosures. Some of it is because there's so many incentives to avoid foreclosure. Mm -hmm. But when we look at some, we've had some major banking failures. I've seen reports where, you know, banks are cutting back on lending, yet they're paying out on deposits, right? And so that is really a crunch because banks make money based on the spread. So what do you think is going to happen with foreclosures in the next few months, Bill? Well, defaults are way up, the number of loan defaults. But the number of foreclosures filed is actually pretty steady to even falling a little bit year over year, month over month. That's going to change. Um, Eventually, Defaults and the pe- reason people are defaulting is because of inflation. It's either fill up your t- your car, feed your family, which and, and all those things cost a lot more, or pay your mortgage. And people are obviously going to choose the first two over the third. Um, so I think as these number of defaults go up, inevitably foreclosures are going to rain uh, and there'll be more opportunities. But I think what's going to be different this time is um, what's keeping the market right now from collapsing, basically, because there's so few buyers now in the market because interest rates are so high, it's driven demand out. 
But supply, the number of houses for sale is really low. You know, builders can't keep up and people are not selling because they want to sit and wait to see what happens with the market. Right. So you have lower demand, but you have much lower supply. And that's keeping the market from collapsing. Some people think that if banks get a lot of foreclosures, they'll flood the market and that will cause a crash. Well, they learned that from 2009-11. And at first, they just flooded the market as soon as they got them. But now they realized after a couple of years of that, that's not just a good idea. Let's just dribble them out. And then we'll keep the market more, more solid and get more in the long run, even though it'll take us longer. Wow, that's good. So do you think that there's opportunities for people that want to get into investing or maybe they want to increase their portfolio. Do you think foreclosures are a good opportunity coming up? And if so, what should people do? I think it's one part of the strategies. One needs to be a successful investor. It can certainly be uh, very successful. Bill and I made a lot of money back in the day, so to speak, on short sales. Um, there were a lot of them then. and But the problem was, it was like follow, following a ball downhill because you'd make an offer and by the time it got accepted, the property wasn't worth that anymore. <laughs> but we learned a lot in those days. And so did lenders. Short sales used to take a year. They don't take that long anymore. And the lenders have ways of uh, softwares and stuff of communicating with them. So that if you got a good realtor, or if you're savvy on you know how to work with a lender, they they don't want to be in the real estate business. They want to be in the banking business, and so they, given a reasonable offer, they're prone to work with people. Wow, that's really good, and and I would agree. I mean, I remember sitting in front of you know federal examiners and having to explain a file right it's not really fun when those things go south and so i agree you know banks are not looking to be in the real estate business um but looking ahead i you know foreclosures i agree part of the portfolio but we don't want to limit ourselves to that and in really this discussion I think it's been really encouraging, like to understand the times that we are in, the opportunities that that are here, but also like, you know, don't, don't let's not just sit here and hoping that there will be a big opportunity. We believe there is opportunities now, there will be in the future. But Frank, to your point, if you run the numbers, you, you don't have to sit and wait for them, you know, magic time that all at once everybody's like, okay, let's go buy. The problem with that is that everybody knows then at that point <laughs> to go right. buy in some way. That's ways. right. That's right. Yeah, it was um, Sir uh, Baron Rothschild who said the time to buy is when the blood is running in the streets. So we're not quite there yet, <laughs> but the market has definitely taken a hit and has softened quite a bit. And that's the time you should be buying. You know, most people are like sheep. Don't follow the sheep. Those are the sheeple. Um, go the other direction. When everyone's running away, you should be buying. When everyone's buying, you should be running away. <laughs> and and that's really the way it is. You can't believe these guys on Midnight TV either. It's not the easiest thing in the world. You have to work hard. Just you have to treat it like a business and you have to be informed. And it's great to have a mentoring and guidance in this. But again, there are opportunities that 
Others don't see it. If you see the opportunity immediately, you can rest assured that just about every other person that's watched HGTV is what, you know, thinks it's an opportunity too. Yeah, that's so good. Well, it's, it's really a great position to be in you guys, because we know that God has, he's really created us with prosperity in mind. He's made the provision and I'm so grateful for Billy and Becky that have just really, you know, they founded Wealth yes. Builders and they've created an opportunity for all of us to learn uh, really from their mistakes, from their triumphs, and then to bring people like you guys around the platform. This to me is the time like there's um, we're looking at our Wealth Builders conference in February and I was asking the team like, hey, what's the theme looking like here? And they, they're like, you know what, for such a time as this. And so as we go into this October real estate workshop, I just want to encourage you that it, it is the time is now. The time is now to learn about this and be prepared and ready. So when the opportunities come, you can step into it. Bill, you know, you've got these great teachings that really ties the, the biblical, um, you know, history and things with real estate. And so um, maybe you could just kind of, you know, we'll end this podcast, you might say, with a little bit of encouragement. You know, why is real estate important to God? And, um, you know, through your studies, what have you seen that connects God in real estate? Well, God promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He promised them land, the promised land. He promised them prosperity. But specifically, he prom his big promise was, you are faithful to me. I will bring you into the promised land, and I will multiply you like the stars, as he said to Abraham. Um, so being in the land is a big thing If you when you read the Old Testament, especially the Torah. Um, it's all about the land. It's all about how they divided it up amongst, how they how they conquered it first, how they how they uh, divided it up by tribe, and and very specifically in numbers, you know, how they how they how they broke it up, and everyone got a lot, and everyone got a right to redeem, and everybody had a, a boundary mark, and you know you you're, it should be a, a sin to 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 move someone one's boundary mark, right? So. Um, uh, which it still is actually. <laughs> um, they call adverse possession. You know, you you move and you move your fence over the line. You know, you're adverse possessing someone else's land um, to this day. So all these principles come out of um, the Old Testament and God's promise to bring to prosper people through real estate through the land, which are really belo all belongs to Him. We are just what they call sojourners in the meantime. But in the but it is biblically accurate to say I can own land while I'm alive and give it to my family and give it to my grandkids. Uh, that is biblically accurate. And I can prosper from the land. That is biblically accurate too. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, I think that's a thing too. Sometimes we are hesitant or I've even heard a lot of people like, well, Jesus is coming soon, but he told us to, to rule and reign, right? Yes. And so um, I just want to encourage all of you that are listening. Like if you've got a heart for real estate, it's, you know, I believe it's from God or, you know, definitely it's a desire that he's put in your heart. And we want to come alongside you to help you to fulfill, you know, that call that you have or desire to build generational wealth. And one of the best things that you can do is, is join us for this real estate workshop. Again, it's October 13th through the 15th. 
You can go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events and use the code WB200. We really want to make uh, everything available to you as much as possible. And I assure you, if you make a choice to come and attend this, you know, your whole perspective on life will most likely change because you're going to start to see the possibilities and then also gain some biblical insight into how God has called us into this place and how now is the time. Um, So Billy just did a webinar that is called Something's Gotta Give. And in that, he just describes like, hey, what is ahead and why this is the opportune time to learn these principles we've been talking about so that you are ready to step into what even secular uh, studies are showing is the greatest wealth transfer of all time. So Bill and Frank, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And I want to thank all of you that are listening. You're part of the Wealth Builders family for joining us. God bless you and make it a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. If you want to learn more about who we are, visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next time.